couple of months ago, we uh, started the current series called God's Bailout Package. Um, I want to acknowledge that I do not have a PowerPoint this morning. I think it is the first time since 1998 that I have taught without a PowerPoint. But uh, this week was uh, a little busy, and yesterday in particular with some of the information and the calls and things that I needed to handle, um, I was able to complete uh, the talk, but not the PowerPoint. PowerPoint takes me about the same length of time that it takes me to prepare the, the talk, so it, it takes quite a while. So I don't have that. Hopefully uh, those of you who need that just can you know find a piece of paper you can doodle on or something to help you with your visual. Um, Clara wants her Bible. You can have it. This uh, topic of God's bailout package has to do with helping us as Christ followers to better understand God's ways when it comes to money and finance with the goal that we can live rightly according to his ways and experience as a result the kind of life that he wants for us over against the ways of the world and what the world often experiences. A key passage for us in this series has been 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 through 11. If you've got a Bible, want to turn there, you can do that. We have read this passage in previous weeks. Uh, I want to read it again because it is the, the setting, so to speak, for where we are uh, currently at. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 through 11. And God is able to make all grace come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. As it is written, He, the benevolent person, scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. And God, who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating, will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness kindness, and charity. Thus, you will be enriched in all things and in every way so that you can be generous and your generosity will bring forth thanksgiving to God. That passage we understand to be a declaration of what God wants the Christian's life to look like to have such a surplus of resources as a result of living according to God's ways that there is not only sufficiency for you and your family, but an overflow to others in need. And that it will bring about a glory and a thanksgiving to God because his people are able to give. That's the picture of what God wants and has always wanted for his people. In verse 8, the Apostle Paul describes this outcome that intends for us, uh, that shows God's intent for us on how he wants us to live relative to money and finance. Then in verses 10 and 11, Paul identifies four biblical uses for money. Let me read that again to you. Verse 10 and 11. 
Same passage. God who provides seed for the sower, bread for eating, will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in act of goodness, kindness, and charity. I said last week that the seed for sowing is the first use of money, according to this passage. And that refers to the tithe, the 10% of the revenue that comes into our home that is holy, that is to be set apart for God and his purposes through the local church. We taught on that a few weeks ago. The second use Paul identifies is what is called here bread for eating, which I spoke on last week, which has to do with the meeting of our need for our own sustenance and personal needs. Um, that God, a part of, of course, the use for money that God has provided is for our sustenance, for our needs, bread for eating. Thirdly, Paul speaks of multiplication of resources for sowing. This is the principle of living within our means, what we're calling a closed circle. And then the investment or sowing of surplus money for God's kingdom purposes. And I'm going to begin uh, talking about that this morning. Finally, God speaks of increased fruits of righteousness, which has to do with the use of money for righteous purposes, in contrast to the use of money for unrighteous purposes, and particularly charity or generous giving. So those are the four biblical uses of money that Paul identifies here. First, seed for sowing, seed for the sower, which we have said is the tithe, bread for eating, which is the use for our personal needs, the multiplication of resources for sowing, which has to do with investment for kingdom purposes, and then fruits of righteousness, which has to do with generous giving. So before we uh, begin to talk this morning about multiplication of resources for sowing, I'd like to just pray and welcome his spirit to help us here. Papa, thank you that you are in charge, that you are our source, that we are not uh, dependent upon um, any work or employment. We're not dependent upon any landlord or mortgage holder, that we are dependent upon you and that we trust in you and that you are working through those uh, tools to provide for us our needs. Father, I long so much to uh, help us as a community to uh, understand and grasp these truths of your ways relative to finance so that we could see the truth of 2 Corinthians come to pass in our lives. Lord, that is a beautiful, incredible passage of your desire for us uh, to not only have our own needs met, but also to have surplus to care for others. But Lord, many of us have have misunderstandings about your ways, misunderstandings about money, uh, have missed the mark, so to speak, here and there relative to the use of money. And so I welcome you to help us as we continue conversation about your ways. Teach us how to do that. And particularly as we talk this morning about this concept of a closed circle, of of that which would bring a, a resolve to the question of how much is enough for each of us as family units, for each of us as singles. Father, we, we, these are new concepts. These are new thoughts for some of us. For some, people have been living these things out for years and have a blessing and experience of that already in their lives. Help us to grasp what you are wanting to share with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
a study of the Bible in its entirety will show us that it has always been God's intention for his people to be blessed, for his people to stand apart from and above the other peoples of the world. That blessing is, however, contingent upon the following of his commands and living according to his ways. I want to read from Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 12. Again, a long passage that I hope you can stay with me. But it is a declaration of that principle that God wants to provision his people well for the purpose of being a blessing to the nations. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 12. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you if you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by God and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time for his rich treasury from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. This is a profound declaration of the heart of God. Profound. If you go on in the passage, you will find an even longer list of what will happen if you don't follow his commands. And I'm not going to take the time to read from that. You may want to at some time in the, in the rest of this week. But many of us are not experiencing this. This isn't the, the lifestyle that we're leading And I would advocate that there are things for us to learn about God's ways relative to money and finance in order to experience it. But this is what God wants for us. And it it doesn't doesn't have anything to do with us driving big cars or big houses or anything like that. It has to do with living within the circle of God's blessing to us a closed circle that I'm going to talk about this morning that enables there to be surplus for kingdom investment that will be multiplied back. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. God's blessing, including the prosperity described in this passage, was and is 
never intended, though, to be a blessing just for us. God's intention for his people to be prosperous was and is for the purpose of attracting the world who would say, wow, if that's how God blesses you, I want in on it. It's to be an evangelistic tool to reaching those who don't yet know him and follow him. God's intention to bless us is so that we would be a blessing to others, even as the passage from 2 Corinthians 9 we read earlier declares. We, I read a moment ago the passage from Genesis 12, having to do with Abram's, the covenant with Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, go to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. That's really cool. That's sort of the front half. You But it goes on to say, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt, and through you all the nations of the world will be blessed. So I want to demonstrate this. I wanted to uh, give you a picture. My wife loves um, object lessons. So yesterday when I was preparing this, I'm going to get a little dirt in there. the Lord gave me a picture of how I, I might demonstrate what is his heart here. So what God's wanting to do is uh, to pour into our lives his blessing such that it will overflow into the lives of others. He wants us to find how much is enough. The trouble is there's two different troubles that sometimes happen. One is that if we're not living according to his ways, then there are things that put punch holes in our finances. If we're not tithing, giving God the first fruits, we punch a hole into our financial picture and blessing that he wants. If we're overspending, Overspending doesn't want to doesn't want to punch a hole. There we go. Overspending. Um, if we're getting into debt, that is causing us to have to pay all those interest charges. How many of you have ever actually calculated? I, some of you have. Some of you raise your hand. You you buy a home, and you buy the home. You go out on the market. You find a great deal. House is one hundred and ten thousand. Whatever it is, you know, whatever the range. Okay, 110,000. So you go, great, hot dog. I'm getting it at 4.5%, 5.5%, great interest. How many of you have ever calculated how much you're going to pay for that house? Daniel, what, what's a $110,000 house over 30 years? 260. So you're going to pay more in interest. Now, I'm not advocating necessarily that we need to be able to pay cash for our houses. It would be really cool. I think God would be really happy with that. It would be really nice. But relative to all the other loans and credit cards and things of that nature, those things, that wasting of money punches holes in the blessing that God has for us. And then what happens is, rather than that uh, our lives being filled to where it can be overflowing, instead it's just draining out the bottom and splashing all over now, there's another thing, and I didn't, I meant to, and I, I forgot. 
But there's another thing that happens, and that is that instead of the overflow happening, we just keep making our cup bigger. God's blessing pours in, and we get a bigger cup. We get a bigger house. God's poor blessing pours in, and we get a bigger car. God's blessing pours in, and we think, hot dog, we can go on vacation now. So it is crucial for us to close the circle on our finances so that we can answer the question is how much, so that then when the blessing of God comes, It can accomplish what is in his heart. Yes, it will expand us. It will bless us. No question about it. But it will have the overflow that is his intention. Anything less than that, and we're just... It's just draining away. When Mariana Danley taught on the tithe, she referred to the truth uh, and the concept that the tithe is holy. It is, it is the word holy means set apart for special use. And it, it also has a word, and I can't remember what it is in the Hebrew right at this exact moment, but it, it also has the meaning of set apart for destruction. Holy destruction. And so here's what happens. We think we may not have enough money to tithe. It's a a concept that we talk about and run into in many people's lives. But the trouble is, is if you don't tithe it, it's going to go away anyway. And if you give it to God, then he'll bring more than that in return. That's what his word says. He will multiply those things. The problem that we've talked about here, this idea of things draining out of the blessing that God would provide for us was spoken of in Haggai chapter 1 verse 6. He says, You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. That is a tragic picture of many of our lives. It's certainly the picture of many people's lives who are not followers of God. Besides having holes in our cup so that God's blessing is unable to flow, this issue of not having, of uh, there's another problem. And that problem is that we trust in God. I'm sorry. I lost track here where I was going. Um. Rather than trusting in God as our source, rather than believing that all we have is God's, rather than making a good effort to entrust all to him, we've never answered the question how much is enough and we just live our life just constantly, constantly consuming. The blessings come in, but we just keep on using them up. So the question is, how do we live as to not have these holes that waste God's blessing or increasing the size of the cup? How do we live so that God's blessings can overflow from our lives into the lives of others? Psalms 25, 12 through 13 describes this concept of God's circle of blessing. Psalms 25, 12 and 13. Who are they who fear the Lord? God will teach them how to choose what is best. They shall live within God's circle of blessing 
and their children will inherit the land. There will be that surplus that will go out to those around us, but also to our children. That is God's heart. I want to tell you a story from um, told in a book that Claire and I have used as a resource and a tool as a part of our studies for this series. The book is called Wealth, Riches, and Money. And this particular uh, story is told by Earl Pitts. There are two authors that wrote the book together. Earl had a friend who struggled with a weight problem and had on uh, numerous times and situations uh, attempted to lose weight. He was, uh, at the time, weighing about 320 pounds. Um, Not having had success in the past, he heard about a university study that was being done on obesity. So he signed up for this and showed up on the first night. There were 23 other participants. Um, And one of the first things they did as a part of that evening was they gave each person a little black book. And they were given the instructions that they were to write down and record everything that went into their mouth as food and drink. Didn't have to count how many times they brushed their teeth. But that which was for food or drink at whatever reasons, whatever ways. So they had to record it, but they also had to write down what was the reason why they were eating it. So think about that for your own life for a moment. You know, you're, you know, Eddie, Eddie has a, a freezer full of ice cream right at the moment. I think he was off inviting us all to come over after church. And uh, there must be a reason why Eddie has an, a, a freezer full of ice cream right at the moment. I'm not quite sure what that is, but I think it's to be generous and, and bountiful to others. Right, Eddie? Is that? Okay. Anyway, it, it's Sunday. We, yes. Okay. I'm embarrassing you. I'm sorry. So they were given this book. Earl's friend went home. And he faithfully did it. He recorded everything he ate, everything he drank, put it in the book. And towards the end of the week, he noticed that some of the reasons for eating or drinking what he did were kind of lame. Or maybe he even didn't have any reason at all. So then on the following Monday night, uh, he and the rest of the participants all read out of their books um, and uh, shared their stories of what they had eaten and the reasons they had. And Earl found that he was not alone in the, uh, the account of not having reasons for why he was eating them. The books were then collected, and the participants were each given a yellow plate, a plastic yellow plate, and a plastic yellow cup. And they were given these instructions. The participants could eat whatever their regular menus called for. They could even have second helpings if they wished. But everything they ate or drank had to be eaten from the yellow plate or drunk from the yellow cup. And the plate must be on a table with a place setting and proper utensils, knife, fork, spoon, napkin. They were also not allowed to watch TV or read anything while eating. So here they're given this yellow plate and a yellow cup, and everything they need to eat has to come off of those two things. Earl's friend was uh, very skeptical, but he persisted. 
He followed the rules in the evening when he normally sat down in front of the TV and munched out of a bag of you know, various junk foods. He now had to place his selection on the yellow plate. So he pours out his chips onto the yellow plate, and he has to sit at his kitchen table to eat his junk food and his junk drink, and he has to sit there with his knife and fork eating them and the spoon. A little challenging. Couldn't do it in front of the TV. At midnight, he had a, a custom to go to the refrigerator and raid the refrigerator, standing, of course, there with the light from the refrigerator so he could see what he was eating. So now, instead, he had to take those things out. He had to set the place setting, get the yellow plate washed and clean again from the last time he ate, and he had to sit down to eat those things. Well, it was too inconvenient. And so... Before the end of the week, he realized that that this thing was just a pain in the neck. It was unpleasant. He also found out the next Monday night that when they weighed in at the meeting that he had lost weight. The inconvenience of the yellow plate and the cup sitting at the table with a proper place setting had caused him to cut out many of the irregular eatings that he was accustomed to. It was simply too much trouble to raid the refrigerator at night and the snacking in front of the TV had been removed. It was too much trouble to set up the place setting for other times than the regular meals. So over the weeks of implementing the plan, his weight dropped at a rate of 5 to 7 pounds and his weight came down from 320 to his ideal weight that he was looking for of 190 by using a yellow plate and a yellow cup. Now, What we need to do to live within the circle of God's blessing is going to be similar to Earl's friends, yellow cup and yellow plate. And so I want to present to you some tools and some procedures that can help you to get a closed circle. So first of all, you need to have something like the little black book. Something. Some kind of tool where you're going to record, not what you're eating, unless you want to do that as a secondary thing, but you're going to record everything you spend. One of the the largest wastes for most people is their cash. They, They just don't know where it went. You get 50 bucks out of the ATM and it's just gone the next week and so you got to go, or two days later, three days later, you got to go get it again. We, we really don't know where our money's going. And if, in fact, we're going to be faithful stewards to God of the resources that he has given us. We talked about numerous parables that spoke about faithful stewardship with God's resources. If we're going to do that, we have to know where the money is going. We also have to keep track of where it's coming from and what's coming in. So you need a little black book Perhaps an Excel program, perhaps a, a, um, a financial program like Quicken or money management, uh, Microsoft Money, whatever. And you're going to need to develop a procedure and a means to record all of the inflow and all of the outflow. And it needs to include everything, just like they did in that weight losing program. They had to record everything. Now, if you're married, I would encourage you 
to try the, doing this at night. Claire and I have implemented this, this process, but we have not been doing it every night. She initially suggested that, and I said, hey, we use a, accounting software, and it's really not, our lives are pretty messed up. But as I worked on the material yesterday, our lives are pretty messed up. Our, uh, we don't always go to bed at the same time. We don't even always see each other every evening, and that's what I meant. Our lives are not that messed up, but our, our time's a little messed up. But anyway, as I as I was preparing this yesterday, I thought, you know, there there would there is a tremendous benefit, especially as a husband and wife, or as a single, but I mean as a husband and wife, to every night bring your receipts from that day together and record them. There's some accountability there that we often don't do, and uh, that might be a part of this accountability, similar to the friend who went to the Monday night meetings. If you're single, you might need something like that accountability and maybe you should connect with a friend who wants to do this as well to try and bring some order in their lives and finances to kind of work and maybe have a once a week meeting where you share what's going on. So whatever the tools are that you want to use and can use, um, they're, they're out there. I actually worked this week on an Excel spreadsheet that I can make available to you. I didn't quite finish it, um, but it's a fairly simple procedure where you can simply just record um, your tra- every single transaction. When I was first taught, I'm an accountant. I was uh, taught bookkeeping back in 1985, and initially I did that on a board, uh, a sheet manually, and I would write down the date, the business that the receipt was from, and then across here would be columns, categories of expenses and those, in those categories. And I would write wherever that expense was from, whether it was fuel for the trucks or whether it was uh, material, uh, rock or something that we're purchasing for a particular job. They had their categories. Did that manually initially with the columns. Well, you can do the same thing in a fairly easy fashion with the Excel spreadsheet these days, developing these categories and recording every single transaction. And then I built the spreadsheet so that it totaled at the bottom and carried over to another worksheet that would then summarize your month. It's cool. So anyway, if you guys want that, uh, I'm, I still have to finish it, but I'm, I'm building that. But there's free programs. Uh, I went online and looked at at a number of things out there that are safe and protected. Um, if you're interested in some, some of those, you can uh, email me and I'll e- email you some links. Yes? I looked at that one last night, mint.com. I looked at that one. It looks really good. Um, it's helpful. It does what we're, we're talking about. It gives you those uh, abilities to track those kinds of things. And it's free. See, they're already turning the lights out on us. What can you say? Thank you very much. All right. Just a, this is a test, only a test. Okay, what, what are these categories? I, I want to give you some uh, ideas for categories. I'm sorry I don't have uh, the uh, PowerPoint. But again, if you're interested in this information, I'll be happy to email it to you. My email is fairly easy, randym at vineyardsa.org vineyard spelled with a e it's in the program it's on the documentation there feel free to email me and i can send you some of this information 
But it's important to be able to identify, even on the income, on the inflow side, where monies are coming from. Obviously, we can think of our work and our employment, but there's other places where money comes in for some. Sometimes there's alimony, there's child support that comes in. You have a garage sale, and there's some revenue that comes in from that. Some of you have side businesses, side work that you do. Um, Gifts. Money comes in. Inheritance. Uh, interest on investments. Those of you who have your finances in order, you have interest coming in, uh, you have investment income coming in. All of those things need to be tracked on a monthly basis to show you what your real inflow is. And we need to do this for approximately three months to be able to gather the information that we need in order to work on the closing of the circle. We have to have an idea of where the money's going how it's been spent, and then gather that information together, have a meeting with God, and say, God, what do you think? Again, primarily, many of us, it's too much trouble. I don't have the time to deal with that. But as a result, we're not able to live according to God's ways. We don't have the mechanisms in place to know and to, uh, and to secure the fact that we are being faithful stewards. The resources, the money that comes into you is not yours. It is God's. We are simply stewards of his resources. And if we're not stewarding it that well, there are scriptures that say he will take it away from us and give it to others. Now, I'm not saying that as a threat, but just as this is important. We want to experience what 2 Corinthians 9 spoke of. We'd love to have sufficiency that all of our needs are met and there's overflow into the lives of others. But we can't get there by simply wanting it or wishing it. We're going to have to do some work to identify and close the circle of our finances to be able to then have that place of resource and overflow. It is important to identify and record all sources of income. Also, on your paycheck, the way you're going to track this is you're going to record gross as because it's gross, you know? You hate recording the gross. But it's gross, and that's what you need to record. You need to record the gross, and then on every paycheck, there are deductions. Those then become expenses in the expense categories. And you need that because the tithe needs to be upon all that comes into our house, the surplus. The net of your check is not sufficient because it also includes taxes and things of that nature which you're going to track in other places. And that was true in the Old Testament as well. They had taxes. They had other things that they spent besides the tithe, and that was all tracked. Let me give you some categories for the outflow categories. Um, Let me give you some categories for outflow categories. Claire and I have 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 used uh, tr- software to track our expenses since 1988. Had got our first computer, and have been very good at recording and and knowing where our money. And on numerous times throughout our marriage, we have sat down and established the circle, identifying what's supposed to be there, even continue to track but never review it. And so we're going to talk about that that's going to be an important step. But I say that because these categories that I'm giving you are are ones that primarily Claire and I have used for decades now. 
couple of decades. And they also parallel uh, the categories that many uh, financial people would advocate for us. So I'm just going to kind of list those again, uh, quickly go through them because you're not going to retain them. But if you want this list, I'll be happy to email you it uh, from my notes. Number one, the very first item on your outflow categories is your tithe and offerings, tithes and offerings. Now, just since this exercise in May, when Claire and I started it, I actually, because I'm using an accounting program, I have the ability to have subcategories. So we have a category called tithe and offerings, but then under that I have tithes, offerings, special offerings for like the missions and things like that, or we get a letter from someone who's going on a missions trip and we give to that. Then I have a third category, which is benevolence, which for me means that I'm giving it to those who are needy who don't have sufficient surplus. So I'm tracking now all three of those as different categories for me. They all come in. That may be, you know, overkill for you. Uh, just to simply have the one category of tithes and offerings may be ne- uh, enough. A second category is income taxes. You, you need to record those, those taxes. If you end up giving more, then you're going to get a check back at the end of the year, and that will come in then as as inflow, uh, if you haven't set aside enough, then you're going to have to write a check, and that will just get added to it. Again, some of you have done these kinds of things before. You're familiar with what I'm describing and talking about, but I'm just advocating that this, this, a process like this must come into place in your life if you're going to experience all that God wants for you in the areas of finance. Credit card and loan payments. Um, we're going to talk about debt um, in, in a future talk. Uh, but right here, there does need to be a category because predominantly for those of you who are just starting this, uh, those payments are going to be payments for previous purchases um, that you're still paying for, kind of like the house. And I'm paying interest and principal, uh, but it's a previous uh, purchase that I'm still working on. So uh, credit cards and loan payments. The third category would bank and credit card fees and interest. That's different. You need to separate, in my opinion, you need to separate out the principal payment from the interest payment so you can actually see and and take note of what's happening there. You need that for tax purposes if you're doing a Schedule A anyway. The interest needs to be separate from principal payments. Um, Another category that's important is medical, dental, and prescriptions. Again, if you're uh, at the place where you're doing a Schedule A, you need those things for that as well. Um, It's possible that some of you might... um, have a health club expense, and that could uh, potentially go in there. Um, a next very significant category would be your housing, which is rent, mortgage, utilities, repairs, maintenance. Uh, um, some people advocate a separate category from groceries called household items, um, toiletries, cleaning supplies, and that. Um, personally, I like uh, I like having groceries include toothpaste and deodorant and things like that, it's really hard. You get the Walmart slip or the HEB slip, and, you know, it's all on one, and it's kind of hard to separate those things out. So for Claire and I, we just have groceries and household. But then under housing, we we list the things that are just for the house. If we're you know, repairing or maintenance or things like that, we record that under there. Uh, most of us would have automobile expenses. There might be a loan or a lease payment. There's gas, repairs, tires, all those things need to go into that category. Uh, Clothing and personal grooming. Uh, We keep, uh, for Claire and I, we keep the clothing along with uh, haircuts or the beautician or whatever. Um, We don't have a lot of extravagant things there. Uh, They're just pretty maintenance-oriented. 
Uh, some of you have uh, personal businesses on the side, and you need a category. If you have that, you need a category for business expenses. Uh, again, both for tax, tax purposes and benefits to you, so you don't have to pay as much taxes, but then also uh, for the purpose of knowing where your money is all going. Uh, education. Some of you have education expenses, uh, education costs, whether it be for yourself or a spouse or children. Another one that most of us have is entertainment and recreation, uh, things like eating out, movies. I, I advocate that you don't uh, put eating out under groceries. I think you need to record that as a separate category under entertainment because the cost you're paying is significantly different, and it is entertainment. It is, it's, it's, a, it's a relief. Now, again, your circumstance, you need to set these up that work for you. Uh, perhaps in your situation, you don't have a kitchen. That's just the way you do meals, your military, whatever. There might be a situation like that. Um, entertainment and recreation would also include, you know, DVDs, going to the movies, music purchases, your iPod music stuff uh, that you're legally purchasing. Um, um, I would also advocate that vacation is separated out and, and that there's a, a clearness for that. At some point in time, it would be my hope and prayer that each of you, as you bring your circle into place, will have sufficiency to have those times of breaks with your family. I have made it uh, very, very important through the years to make sure that our family gets away. And then even Claire and I have an annual getaway that we do. Uh, I believe that we are a, have been a healthier family, a more connected family, because we have secured those times. They have been important. Uh, the trouble is, is that throughout our lives, many times those vacations, those times away simply went on the credit card and just brought that up, rather than it being a place where we have previously saved, we have this money ready, and we go and do it. That's what God would want for us. So vacation, there should be a line item for that when you um, expend it <clears throat> there. It may be a savings space, because the next two items are what I would call savings for a reserve and savings for wants. I'm going to talk about that second one in more, in more minutes. But it is highly recommended that uh, by many financial um, trainers that there be a, a level of finance that is in place in a reserve uh, for should something happen with your job, something happen in the economy. Um, we're in troubled times. And if 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 we're living in, in such a way, our circle is in such a way that there is nothing left over, then it can be real challenging when something disrupts that income flow. And we can get in big trouble. And so it is recommended that there be a reserve. You may not be able to have all of that at one time. It may be a small amount of the circle percentage at this season, but that you're beginning to build towards it. That's a part of that. Once that's in place, then savings for wants. Now, um, I, I suspect that some of you just, you know, you've heard this, you've thought, yeah, maybe you've tried it before, it just hasn't worked, it just, it's going to take too much time. But again, remember that yellow plate and that yellow cup. It was hard. It wasn't convenient. It wasn't easy. But it produced the outcome that that man wanted and that he needed to be healthy. And in a similar way, these tools, that's all they are. They're tools. They're tools to help us as well get healthy 
and maintain health in such a way that we can live according to God's ways. I believe that it would be crucial for us to do this. For many of us, our finances are in disorder, and we need to take significant action to deal with the problem. So if we're going to properly steward our money, we have to know where it's going. So that is a tracking process that you need to do for three months minimum. Once you have that three months history in place, then the next step is that you need to tally up the categories and come up with averages for how much you're spending in those various categories. And if you've never done this, I think you're, you know, you're going to find an eye-opener when you look at, say, your groceries or when you look at, say, your automobile. and You just see, or even eating out, whatever those things are. Even the, the process of the accountability of doing this may, may already kind of begin to bring some of you down in the way that you spend. Oh, yeah, I've got to write that. I've got to tell my wife about that one <laughs> tonight. You know, maybe I won't spend it. I want to buy that Coke at the you know, store or whatever. So keep in mind that when you're doing these tallying, you're still only in investigation mode. You can be doing this along the way throughout the three months uh, to make it faster and easier. Then, number three is to determine what your wants are. This comes before you do closing the circle, which is the next step. Claire and I, this was hard for us, but we it is a part of the process, which is to get apart with God to work on a list of what are the wants that you have in your life. And then we're going to take that list, we're going to prioritize it, and then we're going to present it to God and say, God, what do you think? One of the wants on Claire's in my list was a surplus of funds in groceries to be able to have people to our home for hospitality. That was important to us. That was a want. But it's, it's not an obligation and it's not a necessity. It's a want. And so we, we had to put that over here in this, in this wants category and column. And then numerous other things that we recorded in those categories for ourselves. And then we just, so we had to be transparent with each other. And then we had to be transparent with God. And we just had to say, God, these are things that we would like to have. What do you think? Some of the items, God said, yep, I want you to include that. So then we figured out how much there's a cost for that and, and what would, well, how much a month do we need to save up for something like that. And we put that then in the want savings. Uh, some of them God said not now. So we don't, we don't worry about trying to move that one in. But this is an important step as a part of this because, again, God wants to bless you. Now, we're going to see in a moment that there may not be sufficiency to do all of those things. And then we're going to have to trust God and and work with the system a little bit. But this is an important step to begin to be transparent and identify these things. Claire and I, when we did the wants list, we actually made a a priority. We prioritized things according to a one for high priority that were very important to us. Uh, Number two, if they were not so high, and then three, if they were... Uh, you know, kind of lower on our list. We even then did an A to Z among those numbers. I'm a detail guy, so that helped us. Identify the figures, carry them over. Number four, the fourth step is to determine then um, these uh, outflow categories. You need to identify as you look at these categories which of them are obligations, 
which of them are necessities and which ones are wants. The way that you have been spending, looking at the spending, what you've done over these last three months. Obligations are those things that are fixed commitments. Um, the tithe is not a set amount because it's based on revenue for the month, but it is an, an obligation. It is God's requirement on us. It's going to go away if we don't give it to him anyway, so we might as well give it to him. Uh, then come the other things that are obligations, things like a house payment, car payments, maybe alimony, child support, loan payments. If you have uh, school loans or other kinds of loans, you have an obligation. You have a per-month payment that's required. That needs to be included as an obligation. Uh, you may have certain reoccurring medical bills uh, like we have. Uh, there's your bank and credit card fees and interest taxes. All those are obligations. They are set. You have to meet those. Secondly, then, however, would be other kinds of things that are necessities. These would be not quite obligations, uh, but they're things that you need. There would be car expenses. If you, if you have to have a car, then there are expenses that go along with that. It's, it's really not quite an obligation, but it is a necessity. So the gas and the repairs... Uh, it wouldn't necessarily, a necessity wouldn't be an upgrade on your car. Um, that would be a want, uh, not a necessity. Um, clothing replacement. There, there, some of us are responsible for our clothing to be of a certain level or attire when we're at work. And over time, clothes do wear out, shoes do wear out, and then we need uh, a clothing replacement. Some of that kind of clothing would be necessities, but then there's a lot of us that have clothing that are want issues rather than necessities. Um, Groceries and household uh, items are necessities. Um, Education costs, business costs. But then we need to make sure and differentiate these that are wants, things like entertainment, vacations, eating out, even gifts and presents for others, Uh, the saving, uh, savings for reserve, the savings for wants. Um, These are wants, and it's important to look at these categories. And what I've done for Claire and I is I've actually sorted them top to bottom, when we look at the, the sheet each, each time we look at it with the numbers, we're looking at our top obligations, then our necessities, and then our wants. Step five is to prepare to close the circle. Um, we have an average now of three months, how much uh, inflow there is, what are those categories. We have uh, a listing of the averages of our outflow, these categories. We kind of get them out on paper, get them on the screen, whatever is going to work. And then we simply ask God, God, is this too high? Is this too low? Is this too high? Is this too low? And we welcome God into the process. God has principles and opinions about everything, including finances. And in our prayers, we call him Lord. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Well, let's make him Lord. Let's allow him to be master of our finances and we the stewards. These are steps. Friends, we are, we are in difficult times financially. And, and what the professionals are saying is it's not going to soon lift. And we must get our financial houses in order. We must close the circle and eliminate what needs to be eliminated so that we can welcome the blessing and the fullness that God wants for us. 
I might warn you that this step of closing the circle, of asking God, of being willing to sort of say, God, what do you think about this one? It might stir up feelings of fear or guilt from the past. Some of you may be overly frugal. You may have been working out of a poverty mentality. God might surprise you and say something different than what you would expect in a category. Some of you may experience guilt as a result of unchecked overspending. Maybe you're even fearful to ask God because you're not sure what he might do. Uh, Some of you might feel a rising up of the flesh over an area of bondage, an area of particular overspending or improper use of money as you do this process. This is going to incorporate spiritual warfare. Satan knows that when our financial lives are in order, there is going to be greater outflow to God's kingdom deeds that will attack and impact his ability to influence and control people. And we can't forget that we're dealing in this whole arena of money and finance with a spirit of mammon that is not going to give up lightly the areas of influence and control that it has over your life. And this step of incorporating God, of looking at where the money's been going and saying, God, what do you think, is extremely important to breaking the spirit of mammon in our lives. Now, again, we need to keep in mind those things that are obligations. Um, There's a... a, um, Let me skip that. As we look at this, we're going to begin areas that may need attention. We ask God, God, what do you think about this? And so then we need to sort of address the fact of inflow and outflow. And this is again, going to be a challenging time. It's possible that many of us are living beyond our means, as they say, and our outflow is greater than our inflow. We are going to have to initially make cuts. We're going to have to look at those bottom elements that are wants or even some of the areas of necessities, and we're going to have to reduce. We cannot continue to live beyond the inflow. We cannot continue to use credit cards. It is going to violate God's principles. It's going to violate God's heart and blessing for you. It is not going to provide the life that you want to live. So we have got to come into order in these things. So it's probable in many of our cases that inflow is going to be less than the outflow. Some, however, the inflow is going to be equal, and there will be some here where the inflow is greater than the outflow. Most people, when doing this work for the first time, if if you're not living within this kind of a lifestyle currently, you're probably going to find, yep, it's really true. I'm living beyond our means. God, what what needs to go here? What needs to be eliminated in this season? And we go through that process. For Claire and I, we we had a number of areas that we had to skinny down. But then there were some obligations, the medical bills uh, for my infusions, that are not at this season don't feel like they're an option. They're, They're an obligation, a necessity. So those are in. So we have to find the means to get these numbers to come close. But then when we align all these things up and we look at it and we get it in place, 
There is an opportunity for God to show himself now. As we offer our lives and say, God, our lives are not in order, but we want them to be in order. We are coming now. We're asking you to bring our lives into financial order in this arena. There is a significant thing. God wants to bless. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. But we must come into appropriate balance of stewardship before he can do that. We must close the circle or else we're going to continue to have the blessing just run out. Our responsibility is to live according to his ways. His promise is to make all grace come to us in abundance so that we might always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. That's his promise. Our responsibility is to come under his order and to live according to his ways. This is an awesome promise. The secret is for us to get our circles closed so that demonstrated faithfulness can bring greater release. Now, that's the, that's the front end work of this. And, and then comes the daily work, the weekly, the monthly work of continuing to record those receipts, continuing to measure how it's going, continuing to see what the variances are, and continue and continue and continue to press to where we are living within our means and we're able to close the circle so that God's blessing can then flow out and multiplication can come back to us. That, I believe, is God's ways relative to this arena of finance. This is God's heart for us. And many of us need to come under this kind of leadership from the Holy Spirit in our area of finances. We've messed around too long, and it's time to bring our financial houses in order. Let's pray. Papa, as I I stand here, I see a full cup of water. And I believe with all my heart that that's what you want for us. That this cup with the holes in the bottom is not your heart. It is not your plan. It is not your ways. And so I welcome you, Holy Spirit, to do a work in our hearts and lives such that we could be the people of God who have the bounty to be those who care for the weak and the hungry and the naked and the orphan and the widow. You have always intended for your people to resource the world, not the other way around. You've always intended for your people to be the ones who lend, not who are those who are in debt. So I welcome you to transform our thinking. Father, we need to follow Paul's pattern to put off negative and inappropriate behaviors, to have our minds renewed and to, and to take up new patterns of ways of living to see this come to pass. 
I know it's a lot of work. Claire and I have experienced that through the years, and we're experiencing it now. This is a lot of work. It's not easy. It is a yellow plate and a yellow cup. But, God, I want my life and our family's finances, I want our church finances in order. I want to be those who are able to give and not always requiring aid. Holy Spirit, I just welcome you to flow in us here. Some, some are angry right now. Some are discouraged and they just think there's no way. I, just, I can't do it. There's just not enough inflow. Father, you can do all things. If we will come and simply say, oh God, I've got to have your help. We have got to see this. God, I want to live in your order. I want to live according to your ways. It may take some time. But I know that God will meet you if you do that. Just as he has everyone else who's ever moved in this direction and many other areas of life. Lord, some of us here are caught in bondages. We are entrapped by a spirit of mammon and we are out of control. And I welcome you, Holy Spirit, to bring exposure to those issues and those bondages that we might be delivered and set free God, this is good news. It is good news that you want to set us free in the area of finances. To be those who are givers. But we've got some work to do and we really need you to help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, at the conclusion of our service, we um, invite people to um, come up for prayer if they would like that. This is, a, on one hand, kind of a weird sermon. On another, it's a difficult one. Um, but I, I know that some of you are stirred as well. This is what you want. You want your life in order. You want to, God to be Lord of your life, every area, including the finances. And we would just welcome you to, to come on up and allow some of us that are here to just pray with you, to talk with you, to hear your heart. Um, some of you may recognize that this is, a, this is a fight right now inside you. And you're not real willing to go this direction, but you want to be able to. Again, we would love an opportunity to pray with you. Some of you have um, are challenged by the, the church move and what's happening there. If, if, if you're... Uh, in, in any kind of distress over that, we would like as well to talk with you, to pray with you. We can, uh, a couple of us will be here to answer any further questions uh, that you have if we have the answers for them um, to try and relieve any of uh, that um, insecurity that might be present. So we would love to pray with you and to share with you, to talk with you if you need that support. Um, if not, we're concluded. We're done. Uh, love to have you back on Friday or Saturday to help us pack up. And then we look forward to seeing you on Sunday out at the lake if you're able to come and want to come and hang out.